You know, sometimes we sing these songs and we uh, go on to the next thing. And those of you who have come to fellowship know that sometimes I say that in between uh, making a segue from a song to the message. But why don't you do this? If you're as a family sitting around and uh, uh, you're looking at the, 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 the screen right now, computer, and we've just sung that song, and uh, maybe you're by yourself and you're uh, alone and you just have that screen in front of you. You've heard, you've heard that line that all my life, all my life, you have been faithful. Parents, what I want you to do is just pause right now. Turn to your children around you. Turn to your spouse. And no one is there. Just talk to yourself and just say, you know, all my life, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. His faithfulness is not tampered with, messed over, or conditioned by any outward set of circumstances. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has seen you through in the past, and he will see us through in the present. He is seated on his throne. He has not changed his character. He is the same, and he is faithful. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, please forgive us. We get into these situations, these crises and challenges in our lives, the tragic twists and turns of life, and, and all of a sudden we get this case of memory loss, and uh, we forget how good you have been and how you have proven yourself. So God, I pray for hope today. I pray for encouragement today. I pray for strength today. I pray, Lord God, that you'll give us what we need to not only just survive and get through this, but in a crazy, weird, but God sense, give us what we need to thrive in the midst of everything that's going south or so it appears. We love you, Lord. Bless your word and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to add my word to, uh, to Williams. I thought he put it really wonderfully well. Yeah, we're, we're practicing social distancing, and uh, meaning that we are distant from each other, but we want to practice social connectedness, and, and that's what we're all about here. You know, I'm standing here. Actually, this is an empty room, and don't want to fake you out, but it's not empty in the sense that I'm speaking to you, and God has a word for all of us. I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but it's been our prayer that God will use this time to speak to us and to encourage our hearts in a deep, meaningful way. I said last week that uh, um, I had intended to do a series on the book of Daniel, uh, of uh, just sort of, sort of living above the fray. But little did we know that things would pick up warp speed. And so we've put that on hold. And I've been trying to listen to the Lord uh, week by week to figure out, Lord, what is it that you have to share? What is it that you want me to say to your people Last week, I talked about overcoming uh, fear. Well, today, I want to talk about resting in his care. So if you have a Bible or a tablet, I want you to go get that and open your Bible with me to uh, Matthew chapter, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. And also, I want you to take a little time, uh, not that, again, that all that I have to say is all that radical or important or profound, but I really believe that what we'll be sharing from this text will be extremely helpful to all of us right now. 
So take a few moments, go get a pen or pencil and piece of paper, because I think you want to jot down, jot down some notes. Uh, these are memorable times. And I want to encourage all of us, as we're going through this time of uncertainty, now is the time to journal. Now is the time to sit back and take a few minutes and, and talk about your fears and talk about the things that you're concerned with, but also write down the promises of God. Uh, so as you go back years from now, when this thing is all recycled, and you'll look back and see how the Lord carried you, it'll bring wind and put wind in your sails and strength in your backbone. I'm like you. I, I, uh, Karen and I, we look at each other and you think, you hear all of this information coming across the news and day by day it gets even worse and bad and we're wondering, okay, when is this all going to be over? Many of us thought about a week or so ago, okay, well, two weeks from now and things will settle down and we'll be back to business as usual. But no, 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 it doesn't appear to be that way. It seems as if things are, things are going south on us real quickly. I mean, the impact and spread of COVID-19 is far beyond anything that we even dreamed or imagined. Uh, the disease itself is not that strong, and yet at the same time, it's most, the most contagious disease that, uh, that we've known of. So what, what's, what's happening here? Schools and churches are closed, the gym is closed, and uh, places that we used to congregate, we can't do that any longer. This fear of not having enough hospital supplies and beds. Uh, what's going to happen to us if all these things run out? On top of that, there are empty shelves in the supermarket. People are panic buying and, uh, you know, we're hoarding things and wondering, I don't know, I better have more than enough toilet paper. I better have more than enough paper towels, more than enough meat to eat. And so we're doing all of these things. The stock market, it's plummeting. Folks are wondering what I'm, what's going to happen to me. Uh, uh, older people near retirement are saying, oh my goodness, I'm watching all of this stuff being wiped out in front of my eyes. What's happening here people are losing their jobs well we can go on and on and on uh, but all that to say that this is the perfect climate for unbridled worry and anxiety just the perfect climate for unbridled worry and anxiety but as followers of Christ how should we handle this stuff how should we handle it uh, what should we be saying to our children what should we be saying to ourselves we look at ourselves in the mirror. We wonder, I, we're just as uncertain as, as the next person. We don't know when this thing is going to come to an end. So what do we do? Uh, things are not looking good for us. How do we respond to this? Well, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, tells us that in the midst of this whirlwind of uncertainty, there can be hope and clarity. There can be hope and clarity. And this hope and clarity that we can grab a hold of can change our hearts and change our lives. In fact, God can use this crisis to deepen our faith, to deepen our focus, and to take away the fear and the worry and turn that into rock-solid trust. Now, here's the problem, though, the challenge. Uh, here in this text, Jesus is calling us to rest in his care, to rest in his care. Now, what I've discovered is that rest is a choice. Rest is a decision. Rest is a response. And he's calling us to respond to him. And in this passage, I really believe that he's, he's asking us and telling us basically to keep three realities in mind. In fact, these realities are three conclusions. We have to make up our mind about what we're going to do 
in the midst of uncertainty. Let me say that again. We have to make up our mind what we're going to do in the midst of uncertainty. We can't allow the uncertainty to dictate how we respond. One more time. We can't allow the uncertainty to dictate to us how we're going to respond. So here in this passage, Jesus is very directive. And now let me give give you these three realities, these three conclusions, or you could call them three decisions. The first reality is this, you have to conclude that worry and anxiety is futile. The second reality that we have to conclude is that God is faithful. And the third reality is that we have to embrace the reality that we are called to focus. Worry and anxiety is futile. God is faithful. We're called to focus. Now, now the danger is, is if we wander away from these realities, we're left with our own resources. But that ain't working for us right now. So every once in a while in our lives, and now it seems nationally and internationally, God reminds us who's really in control. So what are we going to conclude? The very first reality is this. We have to conclude that worry and anxiety is futile. Listen to these words in verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And then this line, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, don't get me wrong. He's not saying that food and clothing is wrong. And he's not saying that we should not be concerned about these things. But what he's saying is, is that we should not be anxious about these things. We should not be overwhelmed. We should not be overcome with fear about these things. Now, the word anxious is mentioned five times in these verses. Verse 25, verse 27, verse 28, verse 31, verse 34. And again, Jesus is saying, don't be anxious, 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 don't be anxious. And his point is that, what are you going to do? Anxiety in and of itself is futile. Worry and anxiety only makes life shorter, is what he's saying. It makes it shorter. We get pulled apart because we try to live our lives by depending on our, ourselves and our own resources. And it just doesn't work. And again, he's not saying don't be concerned, but you can't do anything about what you can't do. And your life is more than that. Verse 27, for example, listen to what he says, this illustration that he uses. He says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Can anxiety change your circumstances? All the worry in the world produces little in the way of achievement, is what he's saying. You sitting down worrying about your, your, your life expectancy, worrying about, oh, I want to get taller, I want to live more, I want to do this, and I wonder if I can stretch this out, I wonder if I can do it, and you're worrying about when, and when is this all going to happen? Jesus said, that's, that's just futile. And if it can't change things, then why do we engage in it? We can't change what we can't control is what Jesus is saying. Only God can. Only God can. 
And down in verse 32, after Jesus talks about uh, uh, food and clothing and being anxious about these things, he draws this conclusion in verse 32. He says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. What does he mean by Gentiles here? Uh, All the non-Jews seek after all these things. I think in context what he's talking about is that people who don't have a relationship with God, they are obsessed with the tangible. Because they're uncertain about heaven, they're uncertain about life after death, they get worried about hoarding, they get worried about collecting, they get worried about prolonging, they get worried about fixing. So to worry about these material things is to live like unbelievers, is what Jesus is saying. Those who don't know God's heart and character. We know his heart. We know his character. And God's love and care is not theoretical. It is not just something that we say all the time, well, God will take care of us, or God will take care of us, or God will take care of us. No, he does take care of us. Now, for the most part, and I know there's some exception to this, A child never wonders whether or not they're going to be taken care of. I mean, I, I, I never, I never thought about growing up until I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I, I, I knew that I had parents and because I had parents that I opened a refrigerator and there was food there. Why? Because I had parents. I would go to my closet. There'd be clothes there in my closet. Why? Because I had parents. If I wasn't feeling well, they took me to the doctor, they did stuff. Why? Because I had parents. They took care of me. Listen to me, and I don't mean to sound cute. We are immortal and invincible until God is finished with us, until our purpose is accomplished in this life. Worrying about tomorrow and worrying about the next day is not going to change anything. Worry in and of itself is futile. It is futile. So that is the first, that is the first concern. That is the first conclusion that we have to come to about our great God. The first reality, and that is that worry is futile. The second reality that Jesus underscores here in this passage is that God is faithful. God is faithful. We just sang about that. All my life, you have been faithful. Now, I want to read verses 26 through through 30, which really underscores the faithfulness of our great God. Verse 26 says, uh, uh, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor uh, gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you, oh, you of little, of little faith here. What is he saying? Well, I think the overarching thing he's saying is that, the, the, that God has built within his creation the means by which all things are cared for. He has built it within his creation, the means by all things are cared for. God cares for that which he creates. That's his point. That's Jesus' point. The birds, 
They're fed. The lilies, they're clothed. The conclusion is if he feeds the birds and he feeds the lilies, according to Psalm 8, we're far more valuable than the birds, than the lilies. Don't you think he's going to take care of us? You see, all of nature depends on God, and God never fails. He never fails. Only mankind depends on money. And frankly, money, in the end, always fails. Always fails. God is faithful. And the expression, oh, you a little faith? Well, that's the point of the matter, isn't it? That's the crux of the matter. The cure for anxiety is dependence on God. The cure for anxiety is dependence on God. And I happen to believe that God is using this pandemic in many of our lives, particularly believers here, to paint us in the corner. He's using it to paint us in the corner. Now, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to depend on? Your choice is either emotional, mental meltdown, or you're going to have to live the Bible that you've been quoting. And Jesus here is talking to his disciples. They had been with him for a long time. They had seen the miracles, but they're just like we are. They saw these miracles, and yet they forgot. They saw the miracles, yet they forgot. They saw the miracles, yet they forgot. They saw the miracles, and the challenges always, always eclipse the memory of what God did. And this challenge in their mind was always greater than what God did in the past. And they justified their fear. But Jesus says, come on, guys. Come on. Oh, you of little faith. Look at the birds. Look at the lilies. Look at my creation. I take care of these things. And God will do the same. If God feeds and clothes the birds and the lilies, he will feed and clothe us. He will do that. He will do that for us. And the expression in verse 26 says, your heavenly father. Don't miss that. Your heavenly father. This is in contrast to creation. God is the creator of his creatures, but he's the personal father of all of those who have committed their lives to him. There is a difference. There's a different degree of love and affection because mankind, and we're the only creatures that have been made in the image of God. We reflect him. His heart is toward us. His loving kindness is with us. And he says, look, if you, you think I, I can provide a few worms for these birds to eat? You think I can splash some colors on these flowers and wildflowers for people to take pictures and admire them? The birds have no soul. The flowers have no soul. They're not made in my image. Crawford, you're made in my image and in my likeness. You know me. I am not just your creator, I am your father. And listen to me, God is not a deadbeat dad. He takes care of his own. I could stand up here all day long and give you story after story of God's faithfulness in my life. Is there suffering? Yes, there's suffering. Is there heartache? Yes, there's heartache. But God gives us all that we need to be sustained, whether it's in a crisis, through a crisis, or from a crisis. 
Why? Because he's our father and he cares. Let's keep in mind that God's ability to provide for us is not tied to or hindered by the economy or COVID-19. I want to say that again. And you need to tell your children this too. God's ability to take care of us is not tied to the stock market, to our economy, or to COVID-19, or to any other pandemic that may come down the road. He is God. And the same God that sent ravens to feed Elijah in the midst of a famine, he will give us what we need to sustain us as his people. So the question is, who are we trusting? And the third and the final reality and conclusion that we have to come to uh, number one is that worry and anxiety is futile. It is futile. The second reality is that God is always faithful. But the third reality and conclusion that we have to come to is that we are called to focus. What do you mean by that? Unless we do this last one, those other two realities will not be experienced. They just won't be experienced. If we don't embrace this last one, those other two won't be experienced. By focus, I mean there's something to reject, and then there is something to resolve, to resolve. And let me get the, the reject first. Now, verse 34 comes actually after verse 33, obviously, but I want to speak to verse 34, and this is what he says to reject. He says in verse 34, one more time, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Then this line, sufficient for the day, is its own trouble. Well, what is he talking about there? Is that double speak? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble? Don't be anxious about tomorrow? What, what, what is he actually saying? Well, he's saying is this, that worrying about tomorrow doesn't help tomorrow or today. Worrying about tomorrow doesn't help tomorrow or today. In other words, to worry just actually throws us into a, par a parenthesis of misery. We're just in this parenthesis of misery. This could happen. That, 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 that can happen. Oh, oh, this is going to happen. Suppose that happened. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, what are we going to do about this? And this doesn't happen. I have a fever. You're in this parenthesis of misery. So what he's saying is this. Look, well, I, I read this quote. Let me, let, me, let me share this quote with you. It says, the average person is crucifying himself between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the worries about tomorrow. We're rattled. We're shaken. What really he's saying here is that worry must always be deferred. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Now, I think what he's really saying there is defer your anxiety, defer your worry. I think there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. I think Jesus is being a tad bit humorous here. What he's saying is that, look, if worry is confined to tomorrow, then we're free. What do you mean by that? For it's always today. You wake up in the morning, you go, oh, man, this is that. Okay, I'll worry about that tomorrow. No, I'll, I'll enjoy them today. It's, a, it's, it's sort of like, a, sort of like a, a sanctified procrastination. No, don't let it stick with you. Each day has its own trouble, but when you get to that trouble, I'll give you the grace to face that trouble for that day. 
That's what he's saying here. But then he says there's also, also a resolve. The resolve is found in verse 33. But seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let me say a word about first here. What he means by first here is not just first have your devotions and then get on with your day. Talk to God first in the morning and then do stuff. Well, that, that's important, and I hope we do do that. But what he's talking about is uh, what is the central focus of your life? What is primary about you? What is, pri- what, 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 what is primary? What should be primary about Crawford is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek that. When, when he says back over in verse 25, remember we read that? He said, he said here in verse 25, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is what he's talking about. He's answering that question. What is life more than? Well, it's about the kingdom and it's about his righteousness. Yeah, 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 your, your, your clothing's important, your health is important, where you live is important. Be concerned about that, but that's not your primary focus. Your primary focus is not the accumulation of stuff. Your primary focus is not the things in this life. Your primary focus is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's your primary focus. And he says, if you get that right, all these other things will be added to you. I'll take care of your worry. You'll experience my faithfulness. So the question is, in the midst of all of this mess and all of this upheaval and all the stuff that we should rightfully be concerned about, Who are we seeking? The expression, (laughs) seek his kingdom, points to rulership and ownership. Who owns and rules our minds and our hearts and our attitudes and our responses and our actions? That's seeking the kingdom. But it also means, it also means to orient your life around what King Jesus is doing in this world, representing his interest and his righteousness, seeking that righteousness which only God can give. And I think what he means by this is that I'm consciously aware of of aggressively uh, seeking to be more Christ-like in my deportment and in my behavior, in my witness and in my attitude. And so this, these, these are the primary things. It is the interest of the king and the kingdom and it's living like the king and walking with him. So, in summary, I was thinking about some handles to leave us. I think that there are three great words Three great words in this passage that we need to hold on to that point to the way to overcoming worry and anxiety. There are three words that point to the way to overcoming worry and anxiety. They are faith, father, and first. Faith, father, and first. Faith means trusting God to meet our needs. Who do you trust? Father means knowing God, our Father, cares for his children. And then first, putting God and his purposes first in our lives so that in all things he can be glorified.
I have a little challenge for you that I'd like for you to do this week, and maybe you may want to do this throughout, throughout this whole challenging season that we're in. I think every day we ought to check in with one another as families. Check in with one another. If you're not married, you're single, have, have a, you have a good friend, check in with that friend, and you all need to ask yourselves this question. Just check in with them and ask them to, every day, ask this question. How's your faith today? How's your faith today? Ask your children, sweetheart, how's your faith today? How's your faith today? Secondly, ask them, what do you know about our Father today? What do you know about the character of God today? Tell me something about his goodness today. And then thirdly, ask the question, who and what is first in your heart and mind today? Who is what is first in your heart and mind? And the, these represent the resolve that we should have. Our Lord knows the way through the wilderness. Um, things are happening at warp speed. But thank God our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And we stand on him and we trust him and we have a father who cares for us. Oh God, we pray that you wrap your arms of love and care around each one of us. Help us to experience that hope, experience your love, experience your wisdom. God, meet us at our point of need. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.